Hello, Pocket Pals, and welcome again to Pocket Money. Well, Australia is now in a recession. And while it's not surprising after the last roller coaster few months we've all experienced, it's still a bit of a shock. I'm still coming to terms with 2020, Sally. What about you? Yeah, I know. Who hurt you, 2020? And with job losses, underemployment and job uncertainty, many of us are trying to figure out some ways to make extra cash, set up an emergency savings fund or even looking to change careers altogether. Yeah, I think it's become really clear that we all kind of need to be a little bit more prepared and, and, and build up those funds. So in this episode, we're going to talk to four people who are really using the power of the side hustle to make extra cash, whether it's selling things online, selling their skills, upskilling, or a few other tricks in their hat, um, which just help bolster their financial bottom line. We're so excited to share our guest stories with you. We think it's going to be a really great episode and we hope that if you're looking to do something similar, you might walk away with some great tips on how to get started. Before we jump into the show, this episode of Pocket Money is sponsored by eBay. Whether you want to make some extra cash clearing out those unwanted items from around your home or even to start a business, eBay can help you sell. And with eBay's partnership with Parcel Service Sendall, you can also opt for a contactless pickup and delivery, which is super important during these coronavirus times. Our first guest is definitely more than a one-trick pony when it comes to generating income. Kylie Travers of The Thrifty Issue has been so successful in learning to save and make money, she now runs an entire blog dedicated to this topic. Kylie, welcome to Pocket Money. Thank you for having me. Now, you, uh, your alter ego could be known as The Thrifty Issue. Can you describe what that's about and you know wh- where you're at and why you're on the show today? The Thrifty Issue is all about ways to make and save money. It's aimed predominantly at Australian women because obviously I'm, I'm an Australian woman. And I sort of focus more on side hustles as well. So there's thrifty tips, but things on like buying and reselling, which I've done a lot of, and just all random side hustles are discussed on there as well. I love the fact that you've got what you could kind of call a portfolio of side hustles. You're not just concentrating on one thing. You've got a whole lot of stuff going on. Can you um, talk about that to us a little? Yeah, in 2018, I actually did an experiment where I tested a heap of different things, like different things you can do to make money on the side, including uh, medical testing, online surveys, uh, freelance writing, which I'd done for a while, but just did a whole heap. And I tracked each month how much I was making from all of them and shared all of them, but also interviewed a few other people doing different things like voiceover work, pet sitting, house minding, all that sort of stuff that I hadn't personally done, but wanted to check out and test out. And it was amazing. In 2018, I made over $33,000 on the side from these random little things without even being full-time dedicated to it. Uh, So I started focusing more on those sorts of things, you know, like renting out your garage for $50 a week and, and stuff like that. And it's amazing how many there are that you can do at the same time. So you can have multiple streams of income without much effort. Yeah, that's really interesting because I think we tend to think a lot of these things are going to take a lot of time or you have to concentrate on one at a time. But that's that's really clever to have that approach. How did you get started with all of this? Obviously, you were running a bit of an experiment. Was there, was there something that kicked it all off for you to, to, to be interested in doing this? So originally with financial blogging, I set a goal to be a millionaire by the time I was 30. So I was writing about that and then I got a book contract and public speaking and, and that sort of thing. But the thrifty issue itself, I actually bought in 2014. I was um, starting to buy and resell websites at that point. But I really liked the community with the thrifty issue, so I've, I've kept it. So since you have tried and tested quite a few of these, 
What would you say are some of the side hustles that have made you the most money and why? Uh, buying things to resell was definitely one that made me the most in um, 2017. I did an experiment with that alone. In my first month, I made 2750 And by my fourth month, I was making 10000 a month. Um, so that one was really, really good. But then I started traveling a lot, so it wasn't practical anymore. Airbnb has been another one which has made me a lot. Obviously not right now. This isn't the right environment to do it in. But um, when I was living in Melbourne, I made 1300 in five days. When I rented out my tiny, tiny two-bedroom apartment there over Christmas, I made 600 a week at another time for that one, which was a lot more than what I paid in rent for the same place. So that, that helped a lot. Uh, one of the easiest ones I found was just renting out my garage. I've done that in Sydney, Canberra and Melbourne. And um, each time it was about $50. Do you think the fact that you really put your money where your mouth is helped differentiate you from some of the other people, you know, in that space? I definitely think it made a difference that I was actively doing it and that people could see that I was doing it and they'd take photos of what I was doing and could answer questions clearly because I was doing it myself. I definitely think that made a huge difference as well as being female. I think at the time, especially when I started, uh, I was one of a few female voices in finance, like writing about finance and, and that sort of thing. So I think that helped. And also just being very real about my personal life as well. And so sharing things and the fact that I was doing it around my kids and tips to sort of manage that aspect as well made it a bit more, more real and relatable rather than just somebody, you know, two income, no kids. We can do all these things because they've got all that time. Whereas, you know, single moms don't have that time. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's that was what I really liked about um, where you're coming from. You know, I think, oh, I just I don't have time. I've got two kids and a job. But um, you, did you timestamp some of the things you did as well as as, as way of proving that these are set, some of these are set and forget? Yeah, I did with some of them. So uh, buying and reselling, for example, I got that down to three minutes per listing because I, I mostly used the eBay app, and so I would quickly look up what the items were, how much they were selling for, and then like from this is including taking photos. And having this listing go live, I could do all of that in under three minutes. Um, so that meant, yeah, I could work out very easily what sort of how much I wanted things to sell for, what was worth buying and reselling and and do that really quickly. Airbnb took me virtually no time because, you know, I cleaned my house anyway. So it was clean as I was leaving and then somebody would use it whilst I was gone. So that one took pretty much nothing. The um, blogging and freelance writing obviously took a lot more time and effort. But still nothing I've done has ever really taken full-time hours. Um, uh, my uh, daughters, my eldest has autism and um, both of them have needed speech therapy and, and that sort of thing. So my time was quite limited because of how much I needed to do for them. So yeah, everything I did, I sort of made sure could be done in a short period of time. And a flexible kind of approach as well, I'm guessing with a lot of things online, you don't need to front up at a certain time or a certain place to do it. Yeah, and a lot can be scheduled, which makes it so much easier. So you can sort of pick and choose when you're doing things and schedule things ahead of time and um, really choose how you're spending your time. Kylie, what were you buying and selling on, on online? I'm fascinated. It varied depending where I was living, but um, for the most part, rockabilly clothing did really well. Wow. Um, and, and how did you discover that? Was that something you were passionate about yourself or did you uncover a kind of <laughs> a need for rockabilly clothing? A bit of a mix. Like I do like, I do like rockabilly clothing. I do like the 1950s um, and those sorts of things. But I, um, when I left my ex-husband and my daughters and I were staying with a friend for a period of time, she was right into it. And I was looking up how much these clothes were and I was like, I've seen them for like $2 at the secondhand shops and stuff. And then I helped her sell a few pieces and saw how much they went for. And I'm like, oh, this is one I'm going to look into a lot more. <laughs> and then later I also did uh, photography gear. 
I uh, was dating a photographer at the time. And so he taught me a lot and asked me if I could sell some of his stuff. And then once I learned that, I was like, well, that's one I know now and could do more of that. Uh, camping gear was another one that did well. And books, books I did really well with since 2011. I'd been buying and reselling books and they did, they did well, but I focused on, um, business and self-help. I never, never did really popular uh, fiction titles because there's so many of them. Whereas I'd look for books that I knew had been spoken about in groups or on in forums and that sort of thing. And then, and list those ones. Very clever. So what are some of your tips and tricks that you've learned along the way to impart to our listeners who are thinking of getting into, into side hustles, especially if they're thinking of juggling and testing a couple? I think have a look at what they think they would enjoy doing um, because it's kind of taking part of your free time and if you don't like it, it's going to feel like a chore. Have a look at what you think would make the most money for you in your area and see how many others are doing it. Buying and reselling is obviously an easier one that can be done by pretty much anyone, but what is available for you to buy and resell varies depending on where you live and, and that sort of thing. Same with Airbnb, you need to sort of do your research to see how much you're going to make if, and if it's worth it in in your area. So I sort of recommend always to do a bit of research yourself first and then just give it a go. So choose one thing at a time. Don't go, all right, here's 10 that I found and I'm going to do them all because you'll burn out and then you'll hate them all. Um, so just start, start with one, give it a go, see how much time it takes you, how much profit you make. And then if that works really well and you want to add another one, add another one, the research and record. So you know what one's best and which ones um, aren't worth it for you. Do you think we're going to see a lot more people looking at alternative sources of income right now? Absolutely. I can tell from the searches to my website that that's increased a lot, that people are looking for what there is to do, uh, how to do it, what's going to make them the most. I've noticed a big increase in people trying to sell things because obviously we've had a lot of job loss recently and that tends to be the first thing people look around their house and go, oh, I can sell that, I can sell that, and they sort of offload. So that can make it a little more difficult for those sorts of ones. Right now, we live in a time where there's more opportunity to make money online than there ever was before. And there's more things that you can do just through apps. And there's things such as um, Airtasker, you know, that has random tasks that you can do here and there. So I think there's more opportunity for it, but a lot of people just haven't known where to look yet. Awesome. Well, we'll make sure to put a link to the Thrifty Issue and some of those resources in the show notes. But Thank you so much, Kylie. I've learned so much and so much great advice for any time, but especially now, you know, when we're really feeling the impacts of coronavirus. And I think, yeah, both you and Kate are right. A lot of people are going to be looking at this option. Yeah, lots of great tips. So thank you. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. It's really amazing. There are really so many ways you can set up a side hustle and it's definitely a test to learn what works for you. Um, but the one thing that most people can do, and I know I need to do seriously, is to sell the stuff that's lying around your home catching dust. If you're short on cash, a great way to make some quick money is to get selling on eBay. Plenty of us have a lot of stuff at home that we don't want anymore, so why not make some space and some money too? With online sales booming in the last few months, there's no time better than now to get selling. eBay is simple to use and it offers a range of delivery and postage options. While anyone can do it, there are some tips and strategies that you can use to be a successful seller. 
To get the tricks of the trade, we're speaking to Stephanie Yip. Steph is Finder's travel editor by day, but she's also a killer eBay seller by night. Steph has been buying and selling on eBay for more than 15 years and has 100% positive feedback ratings across more than 1,400 reviews. Thanks so much for joining us on Pocket Money, Steph. It's lovely to be here, Sally. So tell us, how did you get started selling on eBay? My cousin actually got me into it. So he's 13 years my senior and he started selling when he was in his 30s a couple of years after eBay started in Australia. He used to sell a lot of collector's items. So he'd sell coins, stamps and phone cards. And I was too young at the time to actually join on eBay. So I waited, I kind of watched him and I kind of got the sense that I could use this platform. So when I turned 18, I joined eBay straight into uni and it was just a nice resource to kind of get a little bit of pocket money back into my pocket so I could pay for my uni. Nice. Steph, what kind of things were you selling? Uh, so I was selling a lot of pre-loved things, a lot of old clothes, old souvenirs, gifts from friends as well. I was also selling, so um, remember I was about 17, 18. So I was a big collector of magazines. So I'd have this whole horde of magazines, I'd read through them and then I wouldn't know what to do with them. So I started making collector's bundles on different celebrities and I'd sell those collector's bundles on eBay. Some of them would do really well, some of them wouldn't do so well. But again, it was some kind of extra profit or some return um, out of my investment into those magazines that I could get. So I just put up whatever I could create and from there I would get a sense of which celebrities did well and which didn't. And what kind of stuff are you selling currently, Steph? So again, I'm selling quite a lot of pre-loved stuff. I've been doing a bit of clean out with the lockdown happening at the moment. So a lot of old clothes, some old CDs that I no longer want, old books. I also do a tiny bit of reselling where I purchase items online to sell for profit. Uh, so for a while I was selling dressing gowns because I got the idea from my own wedding, which was a couple of years back. But weddings, weddings are like a little gold mine. You have to buy so many different things and really don't care too much about the price that you put into them. So I had to buy dressing gowns for my bridesmaids. And when I was looking around, I was trying to find the cheapest ones and the nicest ones. And I realized there was a tiny little market in there for them. So I bulk purchased all these wedding gowns for I think like $4 each and resold them for about $20 each. So I did that for a little while. Um, I've been a bit quiet on that front, but right now it's a, just a lot of stuff from my home, just trying to clean up a little bit. How much would you make, do you think, Steph, on an average year? On an average year, I make about $1,500. That's not bad. Not bad for having a tidy house as well. So Steph, you've been selling on eBay for quite some time now and you also have an amazing feedback record. So obviously you're doing something right. So what are your top tips for people who are looking to sell on eBay? So the first thing I would say, once you have your items that you wish to resell is to do your research around them. Have a look to see how much they're being sold in the retail store. Have a look to see how much another seller on eBay is selling it for. eBay also has this lovely little um, filter section of sold items. So you can see whether your item has sold recently in the past couple of months, how much it's sold for as well. And that will give you an idea of how much to put your item up. Also optimize your title. The titles don't have to be jazzy or anything of that sort. It really just needs to hit keywords. Are people looking for the brand? Are people looking for maybe the size of the clothing or how new 
that item is you can write something like brand new with tags attached and that kind of gives it this extra oomph that somebody is going to want something that hasn't been worn over something that has been worn. Another thing I would say is to really take nice photos of your products. Like you can take a really quick one on your phone and it can look blurry or dark and nobody's really going to click on that or there's a lesser chance of somebody clicking on that than an item that looks like it could be sold in a store. Steph, as an eBay seller, you've got a 100% positive feedback rating. Can you tell us how you've maintained that amazing score? I definitely do love that 100% feedback rating. It makes me look good. It makes me feel good that I'm a good seller. And that's basically what it is. Be a good seller or be a good buyer. Um, you'll get feedback for buying and for selling. And I think one of the best tips I can give is open communication with your buyers. Make sure that they're happy at the end. You can have that open message communication with them throughout letting them know, I've just received your payment. I will send your item out on so-and-so date. Uh, you can also update the status with any tracking details and also be a good feedbacker as well. You give feedback and you get feedback. And sometimes I give feedback, I don't get feedback back. Uh, but I feel like if you do send feedback, then people usually will want to return that to you. And also if there are any issues, open that conversation again. There are times when something's arrived and it's arrived late and I've said, oh, it's Australia Post fault, but I can compensate you. You can always do a part refund if anything bad happens along the way or you've forgotten to mention a fault in your product. And I think just being that ethical around selling drives that 100% feedback back to you. And I think if you're starting out, you might be a little discouraged because you start with zero feedback. And as a seller, sometimes you might not get anyone biting because they see zero and they go, oh, I don't know whether this person's legit. And so one of the tips that I'd like to give if you are starting out is to be a good buyer first. And so you buy a few items that you want, you be a good buyer, you get that feedback, back and you bring your rating up to about five or six and that shows anyone who's trying to buy your product this person is serious about being on eBay and they're serious about selling an item. That's such a good point and I know as an eBay buyer the feedback is definitely something that I look at and pay attention to every time so thanks so much Steph those tips were great. No worries thanks for having me. If you don't have things to sell online, you can always make some extra cash from your skills. And that's where our next guest comes in. We've got Jake Falkinder with us and he's using his writing skills to do exactly that. Welcome to Pocket Money, Jake. I am an author and blogger. I blog on thefreedomchaser.com and have recently written a digital guide called It Pays to Blog. I absolutely love blogging. It started as a passion project for me many years ago and it's now turned into something that is a regular side hustle for me. Do you have a full-time job as well? And how did you get started doing blogging as a side hustle? I do have a full-time job. I work in digital marketing and working for lifestyle brands. So again, it's kind of a natural fit for me, the world of blogging, because I am, um, I've been blogging since 2002. The first blog I actually started was while I was at uni. Um, as I'm sure many can relate, I didn't have a whole lot of money at uni, so... <laughs> I actually started a t-shirt blog then with the sole aim of getting a few free tees. 
needless to say that kind of escalated pretty quickly and next thing I had a wardrobe full of three or four hundred t-shirts not knowing what to do with all those t-shirts but yeah I, I guess things you know have just progressed from there over the years I've learned a few tricks along the way met a few cool people and also obviously learned how to make a few quid out of blogging itself. Jake, there's probably a million, maybe a billion unread blogs out there. How have you made your stand out and how have you monetized it? You mentioned like you started a blog like so many people do um, when they're at uni or I remember starting a blog right back when it was a new thing, but it never occurred to me to kind of monetize it or market it. How did you do that? Uh, in terms of the monetization aspect, I guess looking back at that original blog, which was called T-Shirt Alert, I'm a very curious person. You know, I'm in the world of digital marketing because I love the world of technology and how it can assist us, but also how we can market within it. And within T-Shirt Alert, to be honest, I got sick of the material, the T-shirts itself and started diving into the technology. I started selling ads. I started selling links. And I don't know, I kind of got addicted to the additional monetization opportunities and just kept seeking them out. So T-Shirt Alert was a lot of trial and error and it eventually was something that I sold because it was, it was ranking really well and I'd kind of lost the fire in my belly around T-shirts itself. But it left me with this real yearning to, to know what else could be done with blogs. T-shirts aren't great for affiliate marketing and affiliate marketing was something I was really keen to explore more and that's another reason that the Freedom Chaser was, was basically conceived is I'm now to a point in my life in my career, um, I've also got friends that ask me often, what tool do you use to do X or Y or Z? Um, so the Freedom Chaser is often about, you know, referring the best bits of software, the best tools, even the best physical products. And there's a lot of affiliate marketing that goes on on there. What is affiliate marketing? How does it work? Affiliate marketing, it's a pretty simple principle if you think about it in the real world. Someone says, you know, this product is great and I highly recommend it. And if the person that they recommend it to buys it, the recommender gets a clip of, of the sale. So in the digital world, that's usually pretty easy. Either click on a link and the link tracks back uh, to the source, or sometimes you might send someone a promo code that can also track back to the source. Um, but yeah, it's essentially a way of clipping the ticket um, when something is sold. Blogging's been around for a long time now, and there's always a lot of talk about things like Instagram and other platforms. Is blogging still a really solid way to go, in your opinion? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, I look at Instagram, Facebook, you know, this month it's TikTok. All of these things are marketing channels that point back to the hub and that hub is the blog. I don't see that changing in the next 10 years, um, maybe even 20 years because websites, you know, they're here to stay. The technology around them will change uh, as we continue to evolve. And what would be your top tips for somebody wanting to earn money from blogging? Yeah, I touched on it before, but the whole planning piece is pretty critical. This sounds so American when I say it, but there was this phrase that I heard quite a few years ago. In the American version, it was the riches are in the niches, but obviously we say niches here in Australia, but it's so true. The niches are really the only way of, I guess, giving yourself the opportunity to build some authority relatively quickly these days. You mentioned it before, Kate, there's probably a billion blogs in the world. So the way to stand out is to find a niche get recognized as an authority in the niche and then grow from there. So that's something that a lot don't acknowledge when they start a blog. They try and be everything to everyone. So that part's really critical, the initial research into a niche that's going to work for you. And then just planning and consistency. If you're consistent with your stream of blog content and consistent with your tone of voice, your audience will you know, have expectations and continue to come back to your blog time after time and refer it to your friends. I also recommend going in with a 
plan for how you're going to monetize a blog. So like I mentioned before, T-Shirt Alert was more about the ad revenue and the free tees. The Freedom Chaser is more about the affiliate side of things. And would knowing your audience as well, Jake, be another piece of advice? Is it important? Like you've mentioned building a niche, so you obviously want to go for a certain type of person or people that share an interest. Is it is it important to get to know your audience so you do have that authority? Yeah, totally. I even get down to the point of for each piece of content, defining who I'm actually writing the content piece for. And sometimes that can be literally one person. So I might hear a question from someone and go, okay, I'm going to write a content piece specifically for them, knowing that they'll probably share it with five of their similar friends. And coming back to that niche focus, at least you know you're going to hit an audience with that as opposed to just spraying and praying. So yeah, I think knowing your audience and and having a clear picture of who that is, is, is pretty vital. And I guess one that you're also personally passionate about and are invested in, so you get that authenticity. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I kind of write to to people on the Freedom Chaser that are in a similar life stage to me, um, young family looking to, you know, get a bit of income on the side to support things like holidays. Um, I'm sure there's plenty of people in Australia that can relate to that. So, you know, that's what I um, really like to talk to. Well, thank you so much for that, Jake. And where can our listeners go to learn more about you and the Freedom Chaser? Uh, that's not a problem at all, Sally. Thanks for having me. You can find out more about uh, the Freedom Chaser and what I do there on thefreedomchaser.com. Thanks so much. I'm feeling like I want to go and start a blog now. Our final guest took a clever combination of one of the original side hustles out there, walking dogs, not babysitting, though I could tell you a few stories about that. And she paired it with her passion for social media to learn a whole lot of new skills for her career. M Rose Hills promoted her dog walking business on the Instagram account, The Dogs Blogger, and use it as a testing ground to sharpen her social media marketing skills. Em, thanks for joining us on the show. All good. Thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit about why you started your dog walking business, apart from the excellence of dogs. <laughs> At the time, I was working for um, a tiny uh, dog food startup. I was actually heading up their kind of very small social media team. I mean, I just graduated from university and, and moved to London with friends. And to be honest, I had no idea how I was going to afford uh, the rent and the dog food startup kind of covered half my expenses, really. So I kind of had to start thinking creatively. Um, so that's kind of where the dog walking business started, kind of through work. I'd heard mutterings of clients needing their dogs walked. Um, so I put up my hand um, to do that. And kind of over a couple of months, I collected five dogs or so and, and started um, taking pictures of them and documenting them on my Instagram. So slowly the followers on Instagram started to increase um, and I became more adventurous with the content I was producing. So how much money were you making from the dog walking business, M? So I made enough to bridge the gap between graduate salary and money actually needed to live a 20-year-old something life in London. (laughs) (laughs) The best money earner actually was looking after dogs when they went away on holiday. Um, It's kind of a no-brainer, I guess, but kind of those long stints were the best earners. Overnight care um, also paid really well. So like on average, probably I earned around $50 an hour and um, $100 for an overnight stay. So, and tell us about the dog's blogger. It sounds super cute. Why did you start that account apart from having somewhere to put all those really cute dog pics? So, yeah, I started the account to get more dog walking clients and to learn more about Instagram in general. The dog food startup that I had started working at as a graduate and kind of set me the task of growing the Instagram channel to 10K followers. And I remember thinking, how on earth am I going to do that? Kind of, you don't get taught 
kind of those sort of tactics at uni. Um, I had done a marketing degree. So yeah, I needed somewhere to test and learn. So to be honest, the account grew um, in following due to dog memes and also helped me gain new clients really along the way. What's really interesting is I think is the content that I uploaded didn't really explain the task that I was doing. Like it wasn't really focused on dog walking. It spoke to what dog lovers felt. And I think that in turn won me clients. The key learning there was know your audience better than you know yourself. How has setting up the dogs blogger helped you in your career? I talk about my learnings a lot and I can hands down say that I learned the most by testing and learning with my own money. Spending brand money is is a scary thing when you've just graduated university. So being able to kind of take small snippets of um, my own money and then test and learn with that, whether it was from kind of paid media promotion or content creation, um, just kind of having those actual learnings kind of on my own back rather than saying to a brand, this is what I think you should do. Got to have some skin in the game, right? Kudos to you for doing it with something that you absolutely love as well. Talk about making work fun. <laughs> and um, what are your tips for people who are looking to take up a side hustle, especially if it is, you know, a passion project that they're looking to maybe transform into something more? The number one thing is just be passionate about it. Um, side hustles for your spare time at the beginning. So you've got to enjoy it. I guess the dream is that your side hustle becomes a full-time gig, right? There are so many great tips and tricks in there. And I think this is the perfect time to be thinking this way when there is so much uncertainty and a bit of doom and gloom in the world right now. What were some of your fave tips in there, Kate? Yeah, look, I really love the idea of kind of having a portfolio of side hustles, really. What we've learned from this year is that things change really quickly. People that were renting out property through Airbnb, you know, they've been really affected lately. So the idea of being able to kind of shift around or just have a few things on the boil is really cool. I really, you know, I'd like to take some of those tips on board. Yeah, I felt the same way. Like I love that idea of not putting all of your eggs in one basket, but I also really liked the win-win of decluttering your house and then making some cash on the side by selling some of your unwanted like clothes or things around your house uh, online. Because usually I would do that at, you know, like a market or something. So I think that's a great option for while we're staying at home too. Yeah. And, you know, it's just it's just easier, isn't it? Like setting up a stall on a market takes effort. It's easy to kind of make excuses not to do it. I'm definitely going to sell things online. I have a pasta machine in my house that someone, <clears throat> not me, bought um, that's been used exactly <laughs> once. So I'm going to be putting that on sale. But if you are interested, like me and Sally, in reading up on side hustles and getting some more info and inspiration, head to the show notes from the episode. We've got loads of good info on not only what kind of side hustles there are, but how you can look after the money that you'll make. Thanks again to eBay for sponsoring this episode of Pocket Money. If you're inspired to start selling some stuff and make some money, head over to ebay.com.au. That's ebay.com.au and get started now. And that's it for this week. Thanks again to all of our guests. Everything they mentioned also is in the show notes at finder.com.au backslash podcast. As always, feel free to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave us a review if you like the show. Join us on Instagram at Pocket Money Podcast. We'd love to hear from you in our DMs or in the comments. And Pocket Money is hosted by Sally and Kate. That's us. Produced and directed <laughs> by Ankita Shetty. And the edit is by Brianna Ansaldo from Bambi Media. See you next time. Get side hustling, pals. Sell, sell. Thanks for listening to Pocket Money from Finder. 
Head over to finder.com.au slash podcast for the show notes for this episode. The Finder podcast is intended to provide you with tips, tools, and strategies that will help you make better decisions. Although we're licensed and authorized, we don't provide financial advice. So please consider your own situation or get advice before making any decisions based on anything in our show. Thanks for listening. Everything must go, especially the pasta maker. I'll take that. (laughs) (laughs) You'll only use it once.